Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 341 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing well, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. This one took place at the Halanaskarpi in Poland. Over here, it was the third fight between these two guys. It's really extremely random, but the Polish fighter, Damian Jonak, I think he got to 41-0 with a draw. And... He met the UK's Andrew Robinson, who is, you know, a decent fighter to a degree. He's kind of like domestic level there, thereabouts. And Andrew Robinson gave him his first loss, and that was back in 2019, in, in, in April 2019, so three years ago now. And then since then, they had a rematch two and a half years later, which took us into November of 2021, and it ended in a majority draw over eight rounds. So the first fight was a split decision loss for the Polishman, and Andrew Robinson beat him, uh, split decision over eight rounds. The second fight was a majority draw over eight rounds, and they had the rubber match, and it ended with a unanimous decision win over eight rounds for Damian Jonak. So his record at the minute, 42-1 and with two draws, and he's had a loss, then a draw, then a win over Andrew Robinson. Uh, it is bizarre, and um, I'm not sure what, what 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 you can make of it, to be honest with you. But that is what happened. Um, anyway, moving out now to the York Hall. This one took place last Friday, April 22nd. Uh, York Hall, Bethnal Green. Over here, the main event is worth mentioning. Dean Dodge is now nine and two with a draw. He was TKO'd in round seven against Reese Bellotti, who's now 15 and five. That one was sort of uh, for the vacant Southern Area Super Featherweight title. Moving out now to the Echo Arena, Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. This one was a Probellum show promoted by Richard Schaefer. Um, I don't think it was on Eurosport in the end, so I didn't see it, and I didn't know where they showed it, to be honest. So, anyway, I'm going to run through the undercard. A win for Rocky Fielding. That was his 30th win. He's now 30-2, and two, a TKO in round three against Tim O'Lane, who's now 30-18. and 18. We had a win for Peter McGraw. He's now 4-0, and oh, a TKO in round four against Uriel Juarez, who's now 15-18 and 18 with a draw. Um... Friend of the show, Jazza Dickens with a win. He's now 31-4. and four. A knockout win in round five against Andoni Gargo. I've got to hold my hands up and say I thought that one had distance written all over it, but 
excellent for Jazza Dickens to come and get a knockout there against a former European champion. It was an uppercut that, that ended the fight. Um, we'll get to uppercuts ending fights, I'm sure, a little bit later. But, um, yeah, great way to come back after losing to Kid Galahad there. Um, Sammy Maxwell lost his O in a shock upset as well. He's now 16-1. and TKO'd in round nine against Alejandro Menenez, who's now 16-5. and I hadn't heard of the guy. Maxwell down twice, not the first time he's been down. Obviously, there's question marks with his chin, but he seemed to have improved a lot since he boxed that guy that dropped him and then took... You know, tried to try to uh, you know showboat and stuff, and then ended up getting knocked out with about five seconds to go in the final round. But yeah, haunts him again. The chin. It was for the vacant IBO World Super Lightweight Title. Sammy Maxwell in a real tough position. I haven't seen the fight, as I said. So if anyone did see it, let me know what happened, man. Uh, Paul Butler as well, friend of the show with a win, 34-2. and two. He was a big underdog, even though his opponent stepped in at late notice. That opponent being Jonas Sultan, who's now 18-6. and six. It was for the WBO Interim World Bantamweight title. Really pleased there for Paul Butler, who's been treading water really for a few years. Um, he stepped up there, you know, and, and got a good win and got a you know, some version of a title there, an interim title. Moving out now to the Hydro Tech Ezrina, Ezerina, I think it's said, in Bayern, Germany. Just a bit of a cult hero for this for this podcast. Daniel Diets out again. And I've got to say, Eddie, I'm starting to get quite impressed. Um, 3-0 with three first-round KOs. He knocked out a guy by the name of Zoltan Enyedi, who's now 0-8. So I'm not sure how... Uh, how how good of a fighter he is, but another first round knockout for Daniel Diet. It's been a pro about four weeks already, three and zero with three first round KOs. We like to say, did he put more weight on? Did he put more weight on? Well, this time he didn't even bother weighing in, so I think that answers the question itself. Excellent stuff for Daniel Diets. Moving out now to the Universum Gym in Hamburg, Germany, another part of Germany. A fight that I can't believe got sanctioned. Um, Actually, no, I think the opponent pulled out and another guy got thrown in at late notice. So I take that back. But we had Jeremias Nicolas Ponce, the Argentinian, now 30-0, and a TKO in round three against Achico Odikadze, who's now 23-21 and with a draw. Didn't see the fight. Uh, moving out now to the Wembley Stadium in London, United Kingdom. This one, let's talk about the undercard first, of course. And this is the final card to go over. Uh, wins for Tommy Fury, now 8-0 with a points win over 6 against Daniel Bosianski, who had an excellent chin, by the way. He's now 10-2. Um, and two. Um, Down in the fifth round, very, very bad knockdown as well. And... Um, he got back up straight away. I mean, he didn't even seem that that phased, and it was an excellent shot. So, I was I was impressed with his chin. I did bet on Tommy Fury to win on points, so that was a good payout there because not many people saw that coming. They thought he'd blow this guy away. Uh, David Adelaide, the heavyweight with a win, he's now nine and zero, a TKO in round four, as expected against Chris Healy, who's now nine and nine. Um, Echo Esserman, bit of a boring fight to be honest. He's now seventeen and zero, a unanimous decision over twelve against Darren Tetley, who's now twenty one and three. It was for the Commonwealth, the British, and the IBF European welterweight titles. Um, I felt that Echo Esserman would probably get Darren Tetley out of there, and I. Actually actually thought maybe even early, so I was very wrong on that one. Um, he's been very impressive in previous fights, but I just 
I just wasn't that impressed with this one, and it was quite scrappy, and I think it was the chief support fight, so it was a bit of a drag when you're waiting for the Fury fight, and a heartbreak again for Isaac Lowe, I think that's two losses in a row, he's now 21-2 and two with three draws, he was TKO'd in round six against the underdog, Nick Ball, who's now 15-0, and 0, still undefeated, a lot of people, I guess, in the trade, a lot of... Um, fellow fighters were actually saying that, hey, this guy Nick Ball can fight and he probably shouldn't be the underdog and they expected him to do well and he was sensational. Isaac Lowe down in the second round, cut above his uh, his left eye, I think it was in round three, it was for the vacant WBC silver featherweight title. Isaac Lowe needed the win. He was coming off that loss last time out. He needed the win to, to keep himself relevant. He loses and I really don't know where he goes from here. I'm really devastated for him. I really like Isaac Lowe and then let's get straight to it the main event Tyson Fury 32-0 with a draw a TKO in round 6 against Dillian White who's now 28-3 and it was for the WBC heavyweight world title White cut over his right eye in round 4 and an uppercut ended proceedings I'm going to run through the through the 6 rounds from my point of view Eddie um, obviously round 1 Dillian White coming out in Southpaw didn't see that one coming. I don't think anyone did. I think even Fury was a little bit surprised. Um, I gave the round to Fury, but nothing was really, uh, you know, nothing was really landed of significance. Some people even, I think, gave that round to Dillian White. A couple of little backhands from Fury, I guess, won him the round for me. Uh, White's left hook in that southpaw stance, I felt, was a long way away from the target and uh, you know that's his signature punch so I didn't think it was a good idea for him to be in Southpaw and it was a little bit confusing as to what they were trying to do Um, I guess some people drew comparison to the fact that Otto Walling gave him a really good fight and he's a Southpaw was he just trying to act like he was Otto Walling I'm not sure but it wasn't working Um, round two I gave to Fury he was starting to establish that jab they they both swapped stances obviously because Fury started off in Orthodox White started off in Southpaw in round one round two they switch and Fury's a southpaw which I expected him to to be doing for for a lot of the fight uh, previous to the fight I thought he'd come out in southpaw from the get-go and uh, Dillian White was back in orthodox Um, yeah some of the round Fury spent in southpaw some of it he'd switch back and yeah I gave the round to Fury, like I say, starting to establish that jab. Round three I gave to Fury as well. I felt that White was struggling to get close. Fury was jabbing the body of White. White was not really phased yet by anything uh, that Fury was throwing. He was just pretty much, you know, easily winning rounds for me. Not really risking anything. Not not trying to hold his feet and land anything significant at that stage. Round four... Um, that is the round I think Dillian White got cut rather than round five, if my memory serves me right. And it was a head clash, obviously, that opened the cut. I felt that Dillian White was trying to fight very dirty. I think there was a time where he where he threw the elbow in. Both men were hitting each other behind the head. Um, I had Fury controlling the round. I felt that Dillian White was blowing quite hard in round four. I gave all four of those first rounds to Fury. Round five I gave to Fury. I think he... I think he landed a lovely right hand in which White seemed to kind of get stopped in his tracks momentarily. But again, White was really struggling to make his mark. He was losing every round. He seemed to be running out of steam and struggling to even land one significant punch. And then, of course, round six, the final round, Dillian White was having a decent round, but he started to... Uh, 
push out the punches a little bit. He seemed a little bit exhausted. And then, of course, that last punch of the round, a big right uppercut, and White falls down, reminiscent of the way he fell against Povetkin in terms of he just kind of fell flat on his back, like it's a heavy knockdown. And he got back up, and he would have been saved by the bell, but he was just so wobbly on his feet that he fell into the referee. The referee waved it off, rightly so. Um, the mad thing is that I think it was the first uppercut that Tyson Fury uh, threw as well. I mean, as I say, he was in full control for the entire fight. The boxing IQ is on another level. Um, I didn't expect the knockout that early. I famously said I expected maybe rounds 9 to 12. And it just goes just goes to show really how good Tyson Fury is. And obviously, as I've said before, I think he's the best heavyweight by a country mile. Um, I will come to you, Eddie. I just wanted to touch on a couple things um, that you may or may not have known. For the for the for the fight itself, the WBC president Mauricio Suleiman announced that the judges would be. It's a strange fight for them to to um, to to try to try this on, but they decided to have the fight with noise cancelling headphones on, and. I, I don't know if, if it was the right venue to do that because there was still 94,000 people shouting for the entire six rounds. But I felt the scorecards were still pretty bad, actually. Um, I think there was there was uh, a couple of cards that had white. I think it was I think it was three two to Fury, which a lot of people just can't see it. I gave every round to Fury. There's one round in there that you could maybe give to White. I can't see two at all. Um, obviously, since the fight. Has, has happened, Dillian White has come out and said that where he was caught with that uppercut, it was the push that actually did uh, the damage to kind of um, hurt him even more, because he, he said he was pushed down, he banged his head on the canvas, for me that's um, that's absolute crazy, it was a punch that did the damage and the push for me did nothing, and actually I think that pushing should not be illegal in boxing at all, because when you're pushing someone, especially with two arms, you're leaving yourself open for a lovely uppercut, I think if you decide to take that risk, um, it shouldn't be illegal, that's just my own personal thing, and um He's come out and said that based off that push, he wants a rematch. And Frank Warren, the promoter of uh, Tyson Fury, has come out and said, when I was younger, I wanted to take Julia Roberts on a date, and that never happened either. So he's pretty much shut that one down straight away. Um, and the other thing I wanted to come to you with, again, I've kind of thrown a lot at you here, but Tyson Fury, before the fight and after the fight, tried to say that this is going to be his final fight. A lot of people were buying into that. For me... I'm only going to believe it the minute that he vacates that WBC title. And I don't think he's going to vacate it because then we wouldn't see a unification, uh, not unification, an undisputed fight. So if he vacates it, I believe him. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to hang around for the possible undisputed fight. And then he'll perhaps retire after that. But anyways, the fight itself, the the uh, the judges wearing headphones that seem to do nothing. Dillian White's... Um, push allegation and the, and the call for him wanting a rematch him coming out in Southpaw and Tyson Fury having his final fight do you believe him or not a lot to go over already and um yeah the floor is yours my man appreciate it appreciate it but um you're gonna have to remind me of each one of those things because I'm old and my That's brain fine. is starting to <laughs> okay well the first thing I want to go over is um uh, let's go over the um the, the the knockout with the push and I think Tyson, honestly, when he caught him with the uppercut and then pushed him, actually kind of saved him. Because say he would have just been up, you know, stumbling around or or buzz real bad, he could have hit him with another with a with a with a left hook, followed by a right hand, another left hook, you know, stuff like that. He could have 
been up in the air getting caught with those kinds of shots, and it could have been worse. You understand what I'm saying? So I think by him pushing him, he kind of did him a favor and actually got him out of the, you know, got him out of harm's way. If, you, if that, you know, that that could be my opinion. That's just my opinion. I just think that could have happened. If you look at how when he hit him and he looked like he was, you know, kind of, you know, bounced like his, his, like his legs were going to give way, but he was still up. And if he didn't push him, he could have, like I said, landed that left hook. And it would have just done more damage, more insult to injury. You know what I'm saying? So I think that not only should he not be penalized for it, but he should be commended because that's what actually saved Jillian from further damage in that particular instance, in my opinion. Uh, the judging, when I mean, when you hear 3-2, I honestly, it, it's really difficult for me to understand how somebody can give him two rounds. I mean, I, you could say, okay, if you think about the criteria, you know what I mean, the, the, I guess would be for him, I guess, effective aggressiveness. But the aggressiveness is not, is not effective if you're getting hit with most of the punches and you're just coming forward. You're just a, a big punching bag. And there's no disrespect to Dillian, but this is the facts. He did in this fight exactly what I expected him to do. And Tyson did exactly what I would have hoped Tyson would do and not take unnecessary chances box, use his footwork, you know, keep his hands on him, make him have to work extra hard. And then when he gets in range, you know, counter punch, you know, or catch him coming in, those kinds of things, which is what he did. It was, in, in essence, uh, he did a good job. And I, I can't say, I guess, I guess, I guess you can say not a master class, but it was, but he did everything he was supposed to do. I would have, I wouldn't have complained about anything. You know what I mean? He didn't put himself in an unnecessary position to be hit. He didn't take stupid chances. He did what he was supposed to do. So um, the judging, I just, it just seemed pretty clear to me. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I think it seemed pretty clear to most people who watched it. There's, there's not many, there's not a round, you know, that I could have get. I, I just couldn't find one. You know what I mean? I'm watching it and, you know, I said, I just couldn't. I, if you wanted to give him a round, I guess you could say the first round. I guess, but even then, I mean, you know, even though it was uneventful, Tyson was still controlling the range, landed better shots, even though it wasn't a whole lot. It, it, you know, it's just you know, children generalship by being able to you know get around without you know without getting caught with anything. Um, I don't, I just don't see it. I'm, that's me, and I'm not by, I'm not being biased. If I could find a round to give him, I would have, I would have actually said it. You know what I mean? That's his round. Um, what else we try to cover here, Joe? Help the brother out. <laughs> After the push, I mean, the judges were in no these uh, noise-canceling headphones. You've already alluded oh. to the scorecards not, not being great, even with those right. headphones on. And I just think it was a weird fight to trial this out at. You know, like a heavyweight world title yeah. fight, really, with that big of a crowd? Yeah, I was going to say, it's a big fight. Um, I, I understand where they're trying to go with it. They're trying to take out the... Uh, elements of the crowd noise so it doesn't take your focus off of what's going on in the fight being able to listen to what's going on here I guess I would I would think talking about hearing what's going on inside the ring I don't know um, I, it, it, I, I could kind of understand it but if it's not having a positive effect on what these judges are seeing shit maybe they need glasses you know what I mean more than anything you know maybe they need some kind of 3D glasses so they can make sure they can actually see what's landing and what's not because it's not the the sound that I think they're having issues with it's the, it's what their eyes are seeing 
because nobody's going to give him more. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to give him more than a round, if that, in that particular fight. So, you know, it, I hate to say this, you know, there's all this politics, politics in boxing, you know what I mean? And it's going to be in every aspect of it, we understand. But when you look at that, I mean, you know, who's selling tickets in? I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Dylan has some kind of follow. Dylan has some following, and uh, you know, and it's it's in it's in the Wembley, so it's you know he, he's going to have some people there. But the majority of these people are either coming to see Tyson win or coming to see Tyson lose. You understand what I'm saying? So if there's no Tyson Fury, this this fight's not going to happen, and it's definitely not going to be held in Wembley. So to 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 have a judge put that kind of scorecard out. And to say it's possibly politics, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's bad judging. And I just think that these people need to be held held accountable for the mistakes that they're making. And, I mean, I'm not going to say you mess with their money because, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you come to do a job, you do it, regardless of whether it's good or not, you still do it. Maybe they just don't use you or fire you the next time. You understand what I'm saying? But they still need to be to some degree held accountable. Maybe need to put, be put through a certain test. You know what I mean? So we can know what these, what's on these guys' minds. Ask them questions. You know, the, the process should be a little bit more. Uh, you know, I think there should be a little bit more to it. You know what I mean? Just like when you talk about turning pro in boxing, there's not a lot to it. You just go fill out your your forms and you're a pro. And it's just like you know, just there's got to be something that you, there's something got to be something more. We got to demand more of our of our people, our 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 our. Uh, our athletes, but also our, our judges and our, our seconds, everyone. I feel like they need to be held to a higher standard than they are because there's a lot of mistakes going on out here. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's watering down the product at times, you know, not every time, like this was a great, this was a good show, you know, I mean, a great show, you know what I mean? But to, to see a lot of the other ones that aren't so great, you know, based on judging and, and different things like that. You see some of these big high-profile fights and guys wondering if fights don't deserve it. I think it. I think we need to hold these people a little more accountable and, um, you know, and, and get this thing cleaned up. Yeah, and just to just to get on those judges there, um, obviously Tyson Fury before the fight said, I don't want any uh, British judges because of the recent bad scorecards that have been handed in. Um, it was the Canadian judge Robert Tapper who gave Fury all five rounds. It was the Mexican judge Juan Carlos Paleo who had it 3-2 for Fury and the Italian judge Guido Cavalleri um, who had it 4-1 to Tyson Fury. Um, moving on from that, obviously again you've touched on the judges with these noise cancelling headphones um, we've we've talked about the, the the push. I don't even think we need to discuss the rematch. I know your feelings on that. It's not going to be that that um, White should get one. Um, the sound, yeah. Just tell me about the. We're not going to talk about the the vacating of the belt because I pretty much cleared that up. If he's if he's you know if he's if he's going to retire, he should or he would vacate immediately. But it seems like he's his mind's not made up, and he's certainly not going to. I'm not going to believe it until that belt gets vacated, because then it would be hard for him to have that undisputed fight. So I think that's going to be that's going to be that. I don't think you're going to have much to add to that. So let's just yeah, just tell me about the fight itself, what you saw from it, Eddie, and um, did it shock you to see Dillian White come out in Southpaw? What the hell was that about? <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, I was definitely a little surprised. 
I didn't think he had that in his bag. <laughs> I, I don't, I, and I, even now, I still don't think he has it. But it was just something. <laughs> it was just something to try, just to see if you could shake things up. And I, and I understand. You know what I mean? You're in there with a, with a really, with a, with a real serious guy. You know, a guy that is a legend now in the sport. He's gonna be uh, a Hall of Famer at some point in his career. So you try anything just to be able to give him some something he hasn't seen. You know what I mean? Or something he hasn't seen. Uh, from, you know, from from him, you know, from Billy. So, um, but even with the with the exception of the whole Southpaw thing, you know, it still was exactly as I would have expected it. Honestly, I figured mid to late round stoppage for for Tyson. I, I was I don't want to say I was surprised that it was a one punch knockout. It was you know it was a great shot landed on time. But you know I feel I feel like Dillian's tough doesn't have the greatest chin but he's a tough guy and he believes in himself and he's going to come and he's going to try. So I figured he would probably get maybe mid to late round. So I was expecting at some point soon, but I was figuring honestly up to that point that he would take even more damage. Cause I thought Tyson would be a little bit busier, a little bit more on the gas with his punches, even though I still like he was throwing a good amount, but um, he actually threw and boxed the way I would have asked him to box. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have wanted him to do is exactly what he did. Keep away. Don't give this guy an opportunity. Don't give him his only opportunity because there's no way he's going to outbox Tyson. We know that. No way on earth, right? And the only way that he could win this fight is, I don't want to say a lucky shot, but landing a big shot. It will put Tyson in harm's in, in, a, in, a, in a situation where he's, where he's hurt. And then maybe another finisher shot or something where he could put him down, kind of like Wilder did. I wouldn't expect I don't. I don't think that Dillian has that kind of power that Wilder has, but he is a big, strong guy that can punch. So you don't want to put yourself in a position to be caught with anything from a guy like that. So he did exactly as I would have, round by round. Uh, I think it was as it as the as the rounds were going, Dillian was getting a little bit tired and, and he was taking too much damage. He was working not too much damage, but he was taking some damage. And then even with some of those nice timely body shots that Tyson was landing on him to the body, that was that was pretty good too. And um, I, I really saw from what I'm from what I was watching, I was expecting a little bit more of a blow from Dillian to get a little bit uh, tired up to this, well, a little more tired up to that point of the stoppage. But um, nevertheless, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? He had him. He had him where he wanted. He was in control. There was no real danger. And even some. You know what's was a little crazy is that I was watching some of the overhand rights Dillian was throwing, and I'm like. You know, he slipped them and all, but there was a couple that he threw that just didn't even make sense. Like, he threw some, and I think Tyson had moved, but even if he wouldn't have, the shot wouldn't have reached him. It was like he literally was thrown with his eyes closed. I, I was surprised. I was like, he threw an overhand right, and I can't remember what round it was, but I remember watching, and Tyson kind of slipped it, but it went. It was either too short or the angle was off. It was It was so weird, and I'm like, is he really trying to land that shot? Is he just throwing it in hopes that something may, you know, like maybe hit the lottery and land, you know what I mean? Like it just didn't look honestly like he was going, you know, like he was trying to land the shot. It was that far off. And then some of the other shots, they were real fat and loose. You know what I mean? It was just, it was like Tyson would literally have to be standing there with his hands in his pocket in order to get caught with that, not expecting the shot to come. That's the only way in my opinion. Some of the other things he did, some of the body shots he was throwing, it was okay, Dillian, but 
you know, I just I just think if he was gonna like the, the shots he was throwing at the head were a little bit too loose and and coming out of nowhere, you know, which could be a good thing at times, but in this situation, the way he was throwing them, it just wasn't wasn't gonna be successful. Tyson's too clever for that. Plus he was fighting that range, he was coming up short. It was just it was his offense, I think, I don't wanna say it was a mess, but it wasn't gonna be enough for him to win the heavyweight championship of the world. Not like that, not against this opponent. So um, the fight was good. The uppercut was beautiful. Landed in a good spot. And uh, he did exactly what I expected him to be. And, you know, if he does decide to retire, it's a, it's a hell of a way to go out at home. Yeah, it is. It was a fantastic crowd. And um, I said that there'd be a lot of empty seats. I think I got that wrong. There was a lot of, there was barely any empty seats, to be honest. So that was amazing to see. Very pleased for him to be able to pull that crowd, as you say, at home. And you almost can't go out on a bigger note than that. And you were right. Dillian White was missing wildly at times. But anyway, that wraps up the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning, undefeated, unified super bantamweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Stephen Fulton. Stephen, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to have you back. So, Stephen, we last spoke back in October of last year, uh, just a few weeks before your last fight, that win over Brandon Figueroa. Um, While I mention that, actually, what a fabulous fight it was. I mean unbelievable from from a fan's perspective did you enjoy it being in there i'm sure you've watched it back a few times <laughs> yes i enjoyed it overall and in the post fight interview i remember obviously brandon was full of emotion for losing for the first time i felt you really handled yourself with class as well because it was an awkward position you were in um with with the way he was being but you know the fight was really close obviously for a million a million and, and, and one punches. I could understand why he was kind of acting in that way. Um, yeah, what did you what did you make of it looking back now? Obviously, the fight itself, the post-fight interview, the way it all went. Uh, the fight itself, I just I look at it as me being victorious. Uh, cleaner than I thought it was. When I went back and rewatched it, I, I definitely landed, outlanded him as far as like the cleaner shots. He just was throwing a lot of body shots and arm punches but that wasn't the effective shot well they wasn't the, they weren't the shots that were like oh he won the fight i mean I, I feel like a lot of mexican fans only feel like he won the fight but to an untrained eye you know i feel like they're the ones who feel like he won the fight and he of course he's going to feel like that but i won the fight it was, it was a it was a it was a it was a great fight that we put on. As far as the post fight, I don't I really don't care much about it. And Stephen, in in your recent couple of fights, you've really shown that you can adapt as well. Right in the middle of a fight, you've shown that you can box. You can certainly fight. Um, let's talk about this next fight that's happening. Obviously, you're going to be defending both your titles against the former unified super bantamweight world champion, Danny Roman. The fight takes place June 4th. Um, we had Daniel on the show a couple of weeks back. I was telling him that obviously he's a pressure fighter, obviously, and maybe Brandon Figueroa was almost a perfect fight to prepare you for what Daniel will bring. Can you see what I'm getting at with that? Uh, a little bit because my last two fights that were I, uh, I was more so in pressure fights, hmm. uh, but I feel like he's not more so a pressure fight fighter. He's more so a counter puncher. 
obviously, I would say this. You don't have to uh, agree with me, but I'd say Daniel is a bit more methodical, I think, than Brandon. Brandon, not to say he's not a smart fighter, but I feel like he just throws and throws, doesn't really care what he hits. I think Daniel, there's a bit more thought behind it. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And I think as fans and as media, we also have to give you a lot of credit because, um, you know, your first defense of the title, you go straight in unifying with Figueroa, a man that no one really wanted to fight. Now you're going after a former unified champion who not many people are queuing up to fight. You don't seem like you want to take any easy fights, Stephen. We love this. No, I appreciate that as well. I mean that's that's who I am. That's where I come from. That's my background. That's obviously my my career, my stats. Uh, uh, nine undefeated fighters, uh, two world champions back to back, dethroning both of them back to back. Four undefeated fighters uh, in a row. It's like I've 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 always had it the hard way. So these me being in these type of fights only becomes easier and easier for me, in my eyes. And that is crazy. Uh, as you say, nine undefeated fighters in 20 fights is incredible. Um, I remember speaking to you, like I say, before the Figueroa fight, and one of the things that I said to you was, uh, you know, you're going to be boxing in 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 um, in Vegas. And what does it mean to you to fight in Vegas? Is that is that a massive thing? And I remember you saying... I don't really think nothing about that before the fight. I'm just focused on the fight. Afterwards is when I'll go, oh man, I fought in Vegas. I headlined in Vegas. Do you, I don't know, like, have you, is that kind of sunk in yet? Like, that was a brilliant thing to tick off the bucket list, maybe? No, it hasn't really sunk in yet because I feel like a lot of, a lot of controversy towards the victory has, has shunned me away from it. So I didn't, I didn't even care about nothing after that. Okay. Okay, that's a shame. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, that is a shame. That is a shame. Um, obviously, w- when we spoke to Danny a few weeks ago, he's promised the fans a good fight. Do you think the fight will have a lot of action? Also, like your last two, in particular. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm fighting for myself this time around. You know, the last two fights I fought, fights that I felt like I needed to fight in, in order to gain fans or in, in order to gain my respect. But I got my respect already. And if it, if it, at the, the the space that I'm in right now, I really don't care too much about what nobody thinks. So I'm fighting, I'm fighting for me from here on out. So yeah. however I feel like going in a fight, that's what that's what I'm going to do. So I can't say it'll be action. I can't say I'll box. So however I feel leading into the fight, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm loving that. I'm absolutely loving that. And my final couple questions, um, I wanted to ask, did you see, obviously it was a massive deal over here on the weekend, but did you get to see Fury White? If so, what was your reaction? I didn't see the whole fight, but I seen the, 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 the knockout. I mean, he, he's one of the greatest heavyweights, especially in my era. So you got to take your head off, Tori. And, he, and he's the perfect example of being himself. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And three weeks after your fight with Danny, the other unified champion at 122 is in action. Obviously, Murajon Akmadaliev, he gets in with Ronnie Rios of California. Can Ronnie Rios pull off an upset in your eyes there, Stephen, or no? Honestly, I'm being totally honest, I haven't watched Ronnie Rios fight. So I don't know how his style is, I don't know much about him. But I can say uh, MJ is more so focused on fighting mandatories rather than just unifying. And if it was up to you, is that 
the only if it was up to me, I'd have been fought him. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say. I was gonna say. Get that out of the way. We... Why is we waiting around? What's the point of waiting for? Keep fighting mandatories for. There's only one thing, and that's and that could be he's not ready yet. And I remember speaking to you before you beat Figueroa, and I remember you saying, I just want to beat Figueroa, and then we can go for that undisputed fight. Obviously, it hasn't happened. I was gonna, I was kind of wondering, why didn't it happen? I'm guessing it's obviously the balls in his court, why it didn't happen. Um, if you were to get that fight, or hopefully when you do get that fight, if you beat MJ, you've got all the belts, would you hang around, or would you want to move up and try and do something at a new weight class, 126? I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what I would do yet. I gotta let that. I got. I have to let that come to me. But okay. like I said before, uh, I'm. I'm one of the guys that's not only talking it, but I'm walking it. And guys like Daniel Romani need to show more respect because I didn't have to take that fight. I didn't have to fight him. Next, he, he could have, you know, got his belts back from MJ, which he did. But I seen he was throwing a lot of shots about him ducking this that third. But I didn't say nothing. I just got. I just made the fight happen. Now, I ain't do too much talking. I made. I made it happen. That's what I do. I make shit happen. So, you know, I just want to keep that same energy. And that's why we love you, my friend. And just finally, before we wrap it up, Stephen, if you've got any closing words, particularly to your UK fans that I think you probably felt love from, you know, we we absolutely love staying up to watch you, particularly the last couple fights have been so entertaining. You said it yourself. You're almost fighting to your opponent's, uh, you know, fighting your opponent's fight both times. It's been so entertaining. What's your message, though, to everyone that could be listening to this? Uh, my message is believe in yourself, be yourself, uh, and love yourself. Uh, I appreciate y'all for interviewing me, and I appreciate y'all for sticking around and hanging in there with me and becoming a fan of mine. Thanks. Well said, my man. Stephen, listen, thank you for your time. Best of luck June 4th, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Appreciate that. Thanks. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, This is the undercard of the Buatzi Richards card. So a few fights have been announced for that undercard. Alan Babich will be getting in there with Adam Bowski, who's a decent fighter, by the way. Uh, We've got Chantel Cameron getting in with Victoria Noelia Bustos, that should be a good fight there. Robbie Davies Jr. gets in with Javier Molina. And Ellie Scottney gets in with Maria Cecilia Roman. There's also going to be a couple of other additions to the card. I think John Hedges, uh, Shiloh DeFreitas as well. Um, yeah, so moving on to the next piece of news. The card that features Janibek, uh, Janibek Alim Kanuli getting in with Danny Dignam. That one, by the way, is May 21st, so the same day as the Boatsy Richards card. But anyway, the, the undercard for that has been announced as well, and Jamel Herrin returns to the ring against Jermaine Ortiz, that one to take place in Las Vegas, um, like I say, uh, May 21st. Not sure who else is on that undercard. I think it's probably not been announced just yet, as far as I'm aware. Uh, the final piece of news to mention is that Jesse Bam Rodriguez is actually going to be, if I'm not mistaken, staying at, um, at what weight was it that he moved up to? I think it was, uh, I can't remember what weight he moved up to. I'm sure he moved up in weight or maybe I'm confusing him with someone else now. It, it, now I think about it. But anyway, Jesse Bam Rodriguez is getting in there with Sarisaket Sorong Vasai. That one to take place June 25th. Um, at the Techport Arena in San Antonio. It's going to be live on DAZN. Um, 
Yeah, so that's going to be excellent. And also, Hiroto Kayaguchi defends his WBA Super and Ring Magazine light flyweight world title against Esteban Bermudez. That one's going to be in Mexico. That's going to be Friday, June 10th. So two cards there announced June 10th and June 25th. Um, both really good main events there. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. This one takes place tomorrow at the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. It's going to be on Fight TV. Um, this one is almost like the the, uh, the the card of the famous fathers, if you like. We're going to start with the undercard. We've got Gerald McClellan Jr. He's actually 1-0. He's in a four-rounder against Demetrius Alexander, who's 1-0. So somebody's oh, must go there. All the best to Gerald McClellan Jr., the son of Gerald McClellan. Um, we've also got Sharif Rackman, 5-0, the son of Hassim Rackman, in a six-rounder against Reyes Sanchez, who's 7-1. We've got Keith Hunter, the son of Michael uh, Michael Bounty Hunter Sr., um, he's 14-1 in a 10-rounder against the undefeated 12-0 Demarius Driver, who um, is quite a good fighter, I think. That's over 10 rounds there. Obviously, Keith Hunter, also brother of Michael Hunter. And then the main event, Eddie, James McKenzie Morrison. That's the son of Tommy Morrison, 19-0 with two draws. Very big puncher, just like his father. He is fighting here for the vacant WBC United States heavyweight title against Hassim Rackman Jr., 12-0. So somebody's own must go there. So we've got um, yeah Keith Hunter, the son of Michael Hunter, Hassim Rackman and Sharif Rackman, the son of former heavyweight world champion Hassim Rackman. Um, we've got James McKenzie Morrison, the son of former heavyweight world champion Tommy Morrison, and then we've got Gerald McClellan Jr., the son of uh, of, of Gerald McClellan who, McClellan, who was a fantastic fighter in his day. So that is quite amazing there. Again, that's going to be on Fight TV um, uh, Friday, Feb uh, February, Friday, April 29th, Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. Excellent. I'd love to be there for that. If I could somehow teleport there, I would do it. Um, moving out now to the Sualem Night Bazaar, which I'm guessing is a nightclub in Bangkok in Thailand over here with Saxel Wangek, um, 50 and 5 with a draw. I think it's still going ahead. He's having an eight-rounder against Surian Satorn, who's 61 and 13 with a draw. Not entirely sure if that's definitely going ahead. But anyway, has to be mentioned. And the final two cards, we're going to start here with this one at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I'm guessing it's going to be, yeah, definitely going to be on Sky Sports. Um, great card, actually. We're going to start with the undercard. Nico Ali Walsh. It seems like we're talking about so many fighters related to former greats. Um, 4-0, Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali, in a four-rounder against Alejandro Ibarra, who's 7-1. and one. Um, We have Keyshawn Davis, 4-0, in an eight-rounder against 18-1, and one, Esteban Sanchez. We've got... Uh, the main event, let's just go straight to it. It's a unification here for the WBC and WBO World Super Featherweight titles. Friend of the show, Oscar Valdez, 30-0 in a 12-rounder against the undefeated friend of the show, Shakur Stevenson, 17-0, as I say, over 12 rounds. It's a fight I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. It's a fight that could have happened at 126. It didn't. It didn't. It ended up happening here at 130. It's a fight that Shakur Stevenson has told me a long time ago that he wanted this fight. I've wanted this fight for a long time. For whatever reason, the powers that be don't want it to happen. I think he was alluding to maybe Bob Arum or maybe maybe um, Oscar Valdez's team. And now, for whatever reason, I said it to him as well when I interviewed him, I don't know, a month or two ago. I said to him, 
What has changed? Because now they want that fight, Shakur. They didn't want it before. Now they want it. What's changed? And he said that he feels it's Eddie Reynoso who who wants to make the big fights happen and, and has pretty much forced him into taking this fight whether he wanted to take it or not. That's what he thinks. Either way, it's going to be a fabulous fight. Um, I want... I want the best, really, for both guys. They're both friends of the show, as I said. Um, Valdez, I mean, you know, never really in a bad fight, to be honest. But he can get outboxed, and there's probably no worse style for him than Shakur Stevenson, who's such an excellent boxer. Valdez can draw fighters into a war and make it ugly and really test your heart and test your chin, but I'm not so sure he's going to be able to do it with Shakur Stevenson, who's got unbelievable footwork. He's not going to get caught on the ropes. He's not going to be in a place he doesn't want to be. And to be honest with you, he's gaining experience fight by fight now. Um, You know, Oscar Valdez, on the other hand, kind of getting to the tail end of his career simply because I don't think he's that old. I don't think he's had that many fights, only 30. I mean, it's it's not it's not a whole heap just yet. He could still go. But um, he's had hard fights. He's got a lot of miles on the clock for a guy that's 30, you know. And I can see this style almost playing into Shakur's hands. I think Shakur's going to have him walking onto shots all night. I think Shakur's going to be using that counter-punching ability that we've seen time and time again. And the style is almost tailor-made for him. But if he gets caught, which he could get caught, he could get interesting, and that could be a, a, a turning point in the fight. So I almost want to see it happen just so we can see Shakur answer a few questions. But, I mean, the smart money's on Shakur Stevenson to outbox Oscar Valdez, potentially with ease, actually, if he can if he can uh, get in his groove, which we've seen him do time and time again. If he fights like he did against, let's say, Jamel Herring, boy, oh boy, it could be ugly for Valdez. But my pick is Shakur Stevenson on points, I think, there. Moving out now to the Madison Square Garden um, in in New York, New York, USA. This one's going to be on the zone. Let's talk about the undercard. Sky Nicholson, the first Australian woman to box at the Madison Square Garden in history, apparently. 2-0 in a 6-2 minute uh, two-minute round contest against Shaniqua Paisley Davis, who's three and one. Uh, Reshat Matty, eleven and zero in an eight-rounder against Joe Eli Hernandez, who's twelve and one. We've got Galau Yafai, one and zero in a ten-rounder against Miguel Cartagena for the WBC International Flyweight title. Cartagena seventeen and six with a draw. We've got. An undisputed fight between Franchon Cruz Dezern, who's seven and one. She gets in with Ellen Cederuz, who's eight and zero. Oh. That's over t- uh, ten two-minute rounds for the WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO World Female Super Middleweight titles. We've got Austin Williams in a really good fight. A big step up here against the undefeated Chordell Booker, who's seventeen and zero. Oh. Austin Williams, um, Ammo Williams, ten and zero. Oh. That one's for the vacant WBA Continental Americas Middleweight title. We've got a fight that. Really Really should be a good fight. I can't see it being a boring one. Jesse Vargas, 29 and 3 with two draws, never been stopped, of course. Um, he gets in with 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 our very own Liam Liam Smith, 30 and 3 with a draw. It's not a fight that I've wanted to see. I mean, Eddie Hearn talks about everyone wants to see that fight, and I don't really know who's clamoring for that fight apart from him. He seems to really like that fight, but I do think that it could be fireworks, it could be a great fight. Um it's it's a bit of a it's it's hard really to to kind of predict what's going to happen on that one. I'd say it probably goes twelve. I don't think anyone's going to get stopped. But Liam Smith, 
I mean, he is tough as old boots, and so is Jesse Vargas. So that's why I think it goes 12. But Vargas has seen a lot of different styles. He's been in there with a lot of good fighters, Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner, and so on. Whereas Liam Smith has kind of been in there with, I guess, the bigger guys, the tougher guys, the relentless guys like Munguia, like Canelo Alvarez. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a good fight, I think. So all the best to both men. Um, Vargas is a friend of the show. Liam Smith is my countryman. So I'm actually going to go with Vargas because he's friend of the show that's who I want to win but um yeah I have to go with him he's been on the show before could, could, could be a great fight though and the main event of course Katie Taylor 20 and 0 10 two minute rounds against Amanda Serrano 42 and 1 with a draw for the WBC WBA IBF WBO world female lightweight titles um an excellent fight a fight again I've been looking forward to for such a long time Katie Taylor, I've been a little bit of a detractor of hers. I've felt that she's been on the slide for quite a while. I think Amanda Serrano, for what she's done, I believe it's eight weight classes now she's been a world champion. She's like the female equivalent to Manny Pacquiao. We know that the, the competition isn't as deep, but... Um, I have to say, she is a superstar, especially, uh, you know, the way she goes about it, extremely humble, I think I've said before, I don't think she's ever had a boyfriend, I don't think she's ever owned a mobile phone, she is just an out-and-out fighter who lives the life clean, and of course, um, flies the flag high of Puerto Rico, one of the countries I can say so greatly with my accent, I'm, I'm blowing my own trumpet there, but no, honestly, fantastic fighter, um, role model to be honest and so is Katie Taylor that's why I guess it adds a bit of spice here um, in a good way because it's two ladies that are potentially having the best fight that can be made in women's boxing I mean it's clear it's either this fight here or it's Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall the thing about Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall is that there's a lot of bad blood there there's history there this one doesn't have the history. This one doesn't have the bad blood. You know, Amanda Serrano can be a little bit fiery. Katie Taylor barely says anything wrong, isn't much of a talker. But this is two girls at the very best of their, you know, the the, the very best in the world, I guess. And you can't really say the same just yet for Savannah Marshall. She hasn't had the opponents for anyone to say she's pound for pound number one. Katie Taylor has. And Amanda Serrano has. So this is the fight that, you know, I think takes women's boxing to the next level. And I'm really happy that both women have got the opportunity each to show it on this stage against each other. You know, this is the fight, man. This is the best fight in women's boxing for me that can be made. I'm loving the Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields fight. I can't wait to see that either. But this fight here is... It, it, this is this is an unbelievable fight. Honestly, I've, I'm so looking forward to it. Um... You know, Katie Taylor, the boxer, Serrano, the boxer puncher, you know, can she hurt Katie? Katie, I think, has been hurt a couple times in recent fights. As I said, I think she's on the slide. She's got to be about 36 or 37 now. Serrano had so much more uh, pro fights than Katie and has, has been the distance uh, in not many of them because she is a big puncher. I think she's on the verge of breaking uh, the, the record of the most knockouts in female boxing. I think she's tied or maybe one behind Christy Martin or something like that. It's, it's unbelievable. What a fight. And I am gonna be watching it absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, show respect to Stevenson and Valdez, but I'm gonna have to have two devices on watching both fights at the same time. Hopefully they don't clash. But I am gonna be torn on what to watch. Um, <laughs> the ten two minute rounds between the ladies or the twelve three minute rounds between the men. Oh, I'm so excited for this fight, man. But my pick is 
I think Amanda Serrano will win the fight on points. I think that's my pick, and that is not um, that's not very popular. I think Serrano wins, but if I had to say, I'm not sure she's going to stop Katie. I think Katie's so well conditioned and tough. You know, never really been massively hurt. I think she's been hurt a little bit, but not massively. Not in any trouble where she's you know being rocked around on the ropes or anything like that. Um, we're going to see though, we're going to see, this is a monster fight, and I'm so happy it's going ahead, obviously Jake Paul's got behind it as well, credit to him, he's been pushing Amanda Serrano in the way that she really deserved to have been pushed years and years ago, she's always been a fabulous fighter, anyways, you can clearly see I'm really excited, did you want to say anything Eddie about the two main events that are both happening on Saturday, Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson, or or this fight here going down um, at the MSG? I'm actually really interested in that. Of course, Steven Oscar Valdez. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, very interesting fight. The the, the, the clash of the styles, and, and then you I remember you saying it how how he has uh, Oscar Valdez that is has trouble with uh, slick boxers. So you're getting one of the slickest ones uh, in front of you. So it's gonna be very interesting. But with his power and his ability, you know, his ability to punch, and you know, and if he punches with you and catching them, it could make it interesting. Yes. That is a possibility, but I'm definitely interested in wanting to see that because I really think of all of those guys in and around those weights, and we're talking about the 135, 140, I guess the 126, I mean 130, I'm sorry, where, you know, you put, if you put um, uh, a high tech in there in the mix, I don't know why I can't get his name out, man, Lomachenko in the mix. I think of all of them, with the, with the exception of Lomachenko in, uh, in tank, I think, I think, Shakur is the best one. I think he's, I think he's a little better than, um, I think he's definitely better than um, Devin Haney. Uh, I think he, I think he had the edge on him, in my opinion. Uh, even though Devin Haney's a really, really good boxer and really skilled, I just, I look at, I see some of the things that Shakur does, and it's just, and it's a southpaw. He's just, he's special. I really feel like he's going to be one of the. I think he's going to be one of the ones that come out of that group. Uh, as the top guy, I mean, like, you know, Ryan Garcia, powerful, strong and all that. I mean, powerful, like, as pop and everything, and he's good. But I just don't think that he's going to be the, the guy. I think he, I don't know. He could be, but I don't know. I just think of all those guys, I really, I really like Shakur as, you know, pretty much the best skill-wise, even over Devin Haney at this point. But um, yeah, I want to see the fight. I'm interested in seeing what happens, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes well for him. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I'm going to be watching both events. Um, I'm not sure which one you're going to pick, Eddie. Probably the the Valdez Stevenson card. Definitely, you've got to see something yeah. though. You you can't you can't come no back doubt. next week without seeing a fight because these are both <laughs> these are both going to be tremendous. I think. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 341 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest on this week's podcast, the reigning, unified, and undefeated Super Bantamweight World Champion, Mr. Stephen Fulton. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Remember, if you do get a spare couple of minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does mean a lot to us. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.